AM850KFUO Worldwide at KFUO.org and Messenger of Good News. You're listening to the Midday Moments program. It's time now for a moment on the lighter side. And today we welcome back one of our regular guests, St. Peter, owner and proprietor of St. Peter's Hook and Crook for St. Louis headquarters for all your fishing and shepherding supplies. Thank you for that commercial, Carrie. (laughs) Kind of, I thought, maybe if I did a plug for your store right off, we could get right down to business a little bit sooner. That we can, Gary. You know, I've got got the list of questions you wanted me to answer right here, and I'm ready to go. But but if you don't mind, I'd like to start by finishing up the bit of business we started last week. And then I'll get to your questions, okay? For the benefit of those who might not have been here the last three weeks, Peter has been talking about how Jesus restored him three times, one for each time Peter had denied the Lord. One might think these three words of restoration would have all been the same, but as you pointed out last week, Peter, they were actually all different. Well, well, now, the words Jesus used to address me, uh, they were all the same. In all three instances, he calls me Simon, son of John. Uh, That was Jesus' way of emphasizing the importance of the issue we were about to discuss. Right. He he called you by your full name, your formal name, and he also uh, left out nickname he himself had given you, which was Peter. Which, that makes perfect sense, too, for, for the name Peter means the rock. And I had been anything but rock-like in my faith. And I've duly noted on my list of questions to discuss the full significance of that nickname, and we will do so in the future. But for now, let us look at the other words Jesus used. Right, for even though Jesus addressed you in the same words, Simon, son of John, his restoration words are all different. The first time, it's feed my lamb. The second time, it's shepherd my sheep. And the third time, it's feed my sheep. As we said, Jesus used these different phrases to emphasize that he was restoring me fully and completely to the office of apostle. No no halfway restoration here. I had authority now to teach all the flock, both lambs and sheep. I, I even had the same title Jesus had, shepherd over the church. Despite my failures, I was to be no second-class apostle. And yet, though, these words don't imply that you were to be a greater apostle than the others. Exactly. Uh, The title shepherd was given to all of us. We all had the same responsibilities. We were all apostles equal in authority. The point, however, is my restoration was total, even as Jesus' redemption for us is always total the entirety of our sins forgiven. Uh, But this brings us now to the other different words Jesus used. Peter, in my Bible, in all the other words of Jesus are exactly the same. Well, well, that certainly is true in in the English, but they're not the same in the original Greek of John's Gospel. Uh, Read Jesus' first words of restoration again, if you would, Gary. Okay, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. Uh, Now, in the English, uh, Jesus asks me if I love him, and I say, I do love him. But in the Greek, the word for love there is actually two different words. When Jesus asks, Do you love me? He uses the grand Greek word agape. Oh, I know that word. Other pastors have said that word means the love of God. That's a fair translation. There is no greater love than agape. But when I responded, I love you, 
I didn't use the word agape. Rather, I said, Lord, you know that I philos you. Oh, I know that word too. Philos, meaning brotherly love, like in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Now, there are some scholars who argue there is no real difference in these two words. Uh, they contend, in the Gospel of John at least, these words are used interchangeably. In all fairness, that may be. Well, well let me share with you an example from the Gospel of John. Um, chapter 5, verse 20. Okay, I have it right here. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. Now, now if agape means, as you said, the, the love of God, you would expect John to use it, wouldn't you? For the, for the Father loving the Son. But surprisingly, the word John used used in, in this verse is philos. Literally, the Father philoses the Son, lo loves the Son as a brother or friend. Still, though, in chapter 3, when John again says the Father loves the Son, here he uses the word agape. Uh, so maybe they are interchangeable in some way. Don't just say maybe. Do they mean the same here, or are they different? Well... As I told you last week, I, I can't get into the head of my fellow apostle John and say for sure, but, but knowing how careful John is in the use of his words, I don't think he would use the two terms so close together unless he wanted to make a point. And so what is the point? I think there's a great difference between the two words for love. Agape is a love that involves a full and complete commitment to someone. If we could venture outside the Gospel of John, uh, Gary, do you have there Ephesians 5, verse 25? Okay, Ephesians 5, 25. Husbands, love your wives. Now, now the word there is agape, but read on. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You see, agape love involves a great commitment. A commitment so complete that you're even willing to give up your life for the one you love. Uh, you know, Gary, I, I love you as my friend, but I don't know that I'm ready to die for you. <laughs> in, in fact, I, I think this passage in Ephesians 5 is a good illustration of the difference between agape and philos. You know, a man might have a philos relationship with any number of women. You mean he might be friends with any number of women. Yeah, exactly. But trust me there, I know your wife, Marcia. There's only one woman to whom you have agape love. That's the woman to whom he has committed himself fully in his marriage. His marriage vows till death do us part. Okay, I, I think I know of another passage where agape is used that way. It's John fifteen thirteen. Jesus says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. I bet you agape is the word used there. It certainly is. And you're right. That, that verse affirms my conclusion that agape love is a love that is so fully committed that you would give up your life. Once you understand the difference between agape and philos, you can understand the greater dynamic of what Jesus said to me that day. You see, Jesus was asking me whether I loved him enough to give my life for him. Did I truly uh, agape him? And that's a fair question because that's what you had promised that Thursday night of Holy Week. You vowed that you would go to prison or even die for him. And obviously that was a promise I failed to keep. For under duress, I had denied him three times, which is why when Jesus asked about my agape for him, I reply with a lesser love. Yes, Lord, 
You know, at least I, I feel us you. That is, at least I, I love you like a friend. But what's interesting is what happens next. In the second restoration, the words for love remain the same. Jesus asks if I agape him, and I rather humbly reply that I fill us him. But the third time, Jesus changes the word he uses. What do you mean? They look identical in the English, Simon, son of John. Do you love me? But the third time in the Greek, Jesus asks me, Simon, son of John, do you fill us me? Don't you see the third time Jesus is asking, Simon, can you even say for sure that you love me as a friend? Hmm. I don't want to interrupt your train of thought, though, but I have this thought. I've noticed in the text after this third question, the Bible says Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? What made you so sad, Peter? That question doesn't actually interrupt my thought at all. It's exactly where I'm heading. There were two reasons I was sad when Jesus asked me for a third time, do you love me? For one, I hardly believed I could think this way, but, but you know, Gary, <laughs> when Jesus said, feed my lambs, and again, shepherd my flock, for a moment I actually thought maybe I was worried for nothing. Maybe Jesus didn't really even know what I had done. I mean, after all, he hadn't seen my denial himself. He'd been secluded away in the high priest's house when I'd been cursing and swearing that I didn't know the man. There was no way he could have been an eyewitness to my denials. I thought, because of the easy way he was proclaiming my authority, maybe like the rest, he didn't even know what I'd done. <laughs> but when he asked you the third time, do you love me, then you knew for sure that he knew what you had done. Yeah, precisely. Which is why in my final response, I said, Lord, you know everything. But it wasn't just that he asked me three times that grieved me. It was also because the last time he asked if I even philosed him, if I even loved him as a friend. He was right, you know. I couldn't even really promise that much love. Which is why I said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I fill us you. I, I hoped at least I could offer that much love, the love of a friend. But you know what, Gary, I couldn't guarantee that either. Which brings us to a message that is important to all of us. And what is that, Peter? I think we all want to be friends with Jesus, don't you? You want to be his friend, to be his good bud. We may not see him every week, but, but once in a while we'll stop off at his house to say hello. And like all other friends, we say hi, and then we go on to live our lives on our own. We're fools if we think we can get away with just being friends with Jesus. Oh, he is a friend, as we sing in the hymn, but he's so much more than a friend. Oh, you can say that again. He's our Lord and our Savior. And as much as he loves us, as such he loves us with a great and complete agape love. No partway love here, but a love that laid down his life for his friends. And the only proper response to a love like that is a love that is also full and complete. The only love that we can return to Jesus is the sacrificial love of agape. Okay, I understand. We love because he first loved us, and in both instances, it is agape love, but... That's the problem, Peter. I see that the only proper love for Jesus would be agape. He loves us fully and completely. How could we love him in any way less than that? But who can promise that kind of love? And that's the point, Gary. Only a fool, like myself, would vow to love God with a sacrificial agape. 
as I learned the hard way, we have no idea what temptations we will face and how well we may respond to them. But here's the one thing we can be sure about. Jesus' agape love for us is always full, complete, and total. His love is always a thing of agape and can be nothing less. The vows he makes to us in the baptism, the Lord's Supper, and the Scripture are always valid and true. You know, Peter, I look at my life, and don't feel too bad for yourself, because I've denied Jesus several times, too. And uh, we all do. So he agapes us, loves us that way, even when we do deny him. Yeah, whether it be three times or 70 times seven. Uh, and even though we can't promise an agape love by our own strength, because of Jesus' love for us, we will demonstrate such a love for others. But that brings me to matters that I want to talk about next week. Oh, I, I'm sorry. We didn't even get to your other questions. Questions about the number of fish, the significance of the nickname Peter, and why when Jesus restored me that morning, he, he didn't simply say to me what he says to Christians today, I forgive you. But maybe <laughs> next Monday we can consider that. Oh, good. That's no problem, Peter. I very much enjoyed what, what you've shared this week, and I look forward to talking to you again next week. We are the messenger of good news worldwide at KFUO.org.